Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. This is a momentous. We're like, let's see, we, it is 2023. We started this in 2020. So we've been going at this for over three years now. Yeah. That's kind of a big deal. It feels yeah. like. Yeah. So we're heading into season four. And not only this, we are recording this on Thursday, July 29th. Uh, June. BYU, or June 29th. Uh, BYU is only going to be independent for another uh, how many one hours more up? day we're at about 20 one more seven hours I... 27 and a half hours is what we're looking at here counting down of yeah. the independence era and it's kind of a weird feeling i it still boggles my mind when i look back and think that we spent the same number of seasons being an independent as we were in the mountain it, West. it doesn't that feel is the like it was that long ever. but it was yeah. No. And, and I don't it, know why. Why why is that? Is it because we're I older? Like it could be because we're older, or does it is it because the Mountain West blends so well into the whack days? It's yeah, because I mean the I mean because the only well, it was only UNLV was the only new like that was UNLV was the only super whack school that got moved over. Yeah. So of the original Mountain West or of the original whack teams, right? Like the WAC expanded and pulled in Fresno in like 92, a little bit before the Super WAC. But the whole entire rest of the Mountain West of those original, uh, you know, nine teams that are eight teams that split, it was seven WAC teams. Right. Said F U UTEP, El Paso sucks and you suck. And we're going to take UNLV instead. That's really what it was. It was, which the- is a good trade, right? El Paso yeah. for Vegas. Las Vegas. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, so and that's probably why, uh, it, and it's weird because I mean, especially my the first year of my mission, it was was the last year of the Mountain West. So it's I truly had like I didn't miss one other. I was truly fifty fifty because no. I had my mission was one year and uh, was two twenty ten and twenty eleven were the two seasons that I missed. Um, but it's weird. Uh, I did put out this morning. I thought about this last night, and we, you know, there's. You, you obviously no one is perfect at their job and I'm sure there's plenty of BYU fans that have their qualms with Tom Homo, but I was looking at today that Tom Homo in the independence era scheduled more unique schools than any AD in NCAA history. And I'm not just talking like, Oh, over the, you know, since 2011, whatever I, I looked at it and said like, okay, well who's done the most, you know, in the 12 years we were independent, who did scheduled the most different teams. And I looked and it was us and weirdly how it turned out that it was from, cause what we were independent from 2011 to 20, 2022, that from 2020, from 2010 to 2021, we played one more unique team than they had. I don't know. It's weird how that overlap worked there. So I cut it down and I was like, okay, well what about, and so I looked and I was like, oh, okay, that's over the, you know, last 12 years, but what about any 12 year period since, you know, Princeton Rutgers, 1869. And it was the most then. I was like, okay, well, what about like any decade? And it was like, oh, if you look at decades, the top five spots were all held by BYU. It was like 2010 through 2019, 2011 through 2020, 2012 through 2021. Like it was all of them were all Tom Homo. And then so I went down and it had to get down. So it was every single season from any four year period up to any 22 year period in NCAA history. The most teams face most unique schools were done by Tom Homo for BYU, and which is such a wide gap. And even yeah. when you get back to that, it's like the ones where that's different. It's like, 
a school that's in a transition period. So it was like UCF, like when it, it finally topped out, it was like at 23 seasons or something. And it was UCF, but that was UCF transferring, uh, like coming up and being an independent where they p- played like three FCS teams a year. So they like for their first few years when they transitioned as an independent, then they were in the Mac for like two years and then they jumped to conference USA, but it was just them. So there wasn't like this big migration. So it was one thing. And then they moved into the big East actually had a little bit of overlap before the full American like moved over. And now, you know, so it was like, where it was uh, the only other schools that were close were UCF and Western Kentucky who had gone, moved up it's and, similar, yeah. and then jumped multiple conferences. That was the only way you even came close. So even if you stretch this out, it's like the work that he did over the last, you know, this era. And even before that, cause even if you look at like from 2000 to 2010, it was still, you know, like we even, I did look up, I was like, well, how many, uh, schools and other things do so it was like in the independence era we paid 63 different fbs teams the number two school was louisiana tech and they played 54 which is also which i mean again similar that's they went from the WAC to conference usa um, Weird. and then they and so they then it drops out of notre dame but in the last since they joined the Pac-12. Utah's only played 28 different teams. Isn't that weird? It's just so boring. Like, what are you doing? So all of this work, right, that Tom has done with the schedule, and he's done great work. I mean, you just – he's done better work than anybody ever. That wasn't even his primary job. Like, that's what's so crazy. Like, if you're listing his accomplishments, the best thing that he has done is he went independent, and then he went to the Big 12. Like that's what won for him. And I don't know, man, like uh, we've had complaints about Tom Homo in the past. I still want to know why he didn't go to media days. Like that was that one year that were weird. There were, which I mean, looking back on it, it's like not that big of a deal, but it's kind of like just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Just weird. Uh, So he's done some few things, you know, and, and, and I think in hindsight, you know, maybe did he hold on to, uh bronco too long i mean maybe or did he should he have forced some changes with the coaching staff maybe should he have not hired you know put ty detmer on kalani maybe so he's not perfect but man like it's hard to envision a scenario where an individual has led byu better than tom homo has and and what's kind of cool about it has he did he continue to raise money and build like the program is better through three different presidents i was trying to think is it was it four was there somebody Uh, before cecil samuelson i think yeah so when did merrill j bateman was done and cecil took over (laughs) and at byu that's a big no so it was yeah, so Cecil took over in May 2003, and then Tom was hired right okay. after that. So it was so, three presidents. So three so, presidents. I mean, that's that's at BYU. Obviously, the board of trustees and all that stuff. Like, they're the real bosses, right? Like, right. of course, we all know that. But the way a president operates is it makes a pretty dramatic impact on the athletic department. Tom Homo has survived, I guess, so far. Now three different university presidents. Like, that's I, huge. And even if you look at it, not even just at BYU, I mean, that's a pretty broader thing. I was reading an article yesterday that was like in the Tampa Bay Tribune or Times or whatever their thing is. And it was funny because it was in Tampa Bay and it was the 
beat writer in Tampa Bay who was just blasting USF. And it was like, UCF is joining the Big 12 this week. They have an on-campus stadium and they've grown their enrollment to 70,000 students. So they've got all this money coming in and all of their sports are good. USF was in the Big East 20, you got invited to the Big East 20 years ago and has nothing to show for it and is just barely got a stadium approved. And there's protests against it because people are saying it's $250 million too expensive. Like it's the just comparing and how bad it was. And it really was because they, the USF president at the time who was pushing was like, would not let UCF in. She was like, no, USF only. We will not use, let UCF into our conference because it will ruin us. Was her mentality was like, well, we're in the Big East already. We've already made it into a power conference. So we can focus on grades now because we are a college. And so yeah. that folk, they, like, if you have to deal with that as an athletic department, it really hamstring. I mean, look at Colorado. Yeah eight months ago compared to now when it's like the, yeah. Yeah, they didn't get new AD, but Dion came in and suddenly the entire tune of the university were like, okay, yeah, we'll let transfers in. We'll let you do this. Like we will change. Like they, it is, you, it is really hard to, and that's one of the factors, like it is really hard to judge an AD or a coach and how they did at their job in, Less you have intimate knowledge of the backing yeah. that they actually got from yeah. the real decision makers, especially at BYU. Especially uh, at we've BYU. said it at BYU. We've said it before. Uh, Tom Homo probably realistically, uh, at least in terms of the day to day operations of BYU and, and the athletic program, he's got about ten percent of the influence that people think he does. Like that's it. He does not have the control that we think he does. Now he has led this athletic department in a really good way. Right. And if we went and looked and we included all of the sports that like, quite frankly, nobody cares about, but like, you know, women's soccer went to the final, like went to the championship game, went to the final four, the whatever cup, but they multiple call it, times, right? multiple times, volleyball, been great track and field, been great. Uh, baseball had conference championships. Like the only two sports realistically that have struggled and that's relative or football, basketball. basketball. Yeah. yeah. And he's managed to keep those sports profitable enough that when there was the opportunity, finally, the Big 12 came calling. That's huge. So and, the Big I, and also to the fans. I mean, it's. I mean, I lived in Utah for part of the years. So I had season tickets. Right, I was a student through Independence. I was, had season tickets after I graduated until I moved. But if we shut it down, and you know, there's a lot of schools. There's some schools where you know, after the last round of realignment, they got left on the outside looking. I mean, look at for example, like Houston. Right. It was like they were. I mean, they had a what is Andre? Um, where? Andre where? Yeah, Andre where won a Heisman in like '88 or '90 or whatever. Yep. And at Houston. And then five years later, they're left on the outside and people just stop caring. Like, oh, well, you got left out. You're in a cre- you're not in the power conference when you thought you should be. We don't care anymore. But we kept and, they, and BYU kept caring. And, and it showed. It, and it, if we didn't, if it had like sunk down to where it's like we're only pulling 20,000 people at games. This, yeah, this, anymore, tomorrow like, wouldn't we, happen. No, it was. No, they'd be like, okay, well, BYU, instead of being the slam dunk, you are a number one target in this expansion. It would have been like okay, well, maybe BYU that gets us into the mountain time zone that adds another time zone. It Memphis has just went to the Cotton Bowl recently. Yeah, Houston has the Fertittas, and they also went to the Peach Bowl. UCF has gone to two. Cincinnati's gone to two. I mean, if we just need a fourth one to round it, like maybe they only take two instead of four. 
because yeah. they can't really decide. Maybe they take four, but it's, you know, Memphis instead of us. Yeah. There's there is the fact that we continue to support really can't be a shame because it's really hard. I mean, I know as much as you don't want to compare as, as much as you want to just stand on what you do yourself, like it for Tom's job in the state of Utah, you know, when Utah got their golden ticket by peaking at the right time and Colorado signing a deal to where the PAC 12 got caught with their pants down and needed a 12th team tomorrow that they were able to get an invite when the PAC 16 blew up that they, you have this person up the road who is like, they have everything. The person that you've dominated for the last 40 years has everything that you've always wanted. And you feel like you've been getting screwed over out, you know, getting screwed out of, and they're getting all of this and you're stuck in the world. Like you're wandering in the wilderness, you know, that it's, it's really hard to try to like maintain and sell, you know, that we, that it's like, no, we can still do it. It's like, we just got to run the table. The stars will align. Like, you know, you're trying to push and you're basically saying, well, if we run the table and blow teams out, we'll have a shot maybe, or we could get into a new year six. And ultimately we never came close enough to get there. But then in basketball, luckily Gonzaga went on their run because that was the only thing keeping us like, well, you know, if Gonzaga can do it, we can do it. I mean, you know, it's like if you if you're really good and get your shot at the tournament, anything can happen. That's really what came down to anything can happen. That was the only hopium we were selling. And we bought yeah, it. It's true. We didn't care. It and, didn't matter. And we did. And and really, if you go and you look at it, like there's heroes along the way that I think with the benefit of time, as more time passes and we look back at independence, I think we're going to realize Taysom Hill was a hero for BYU. Not because of what he did on the field, but because of the things that he did on the field that captivated and motivated and inspired a fan base to continue to come and watch Taysom Hill. Like legitimately in 2014, I mean, if you don't remember before he got hurt in 2014, he was on a lot of like Heisman lists and he, he was, was playing. We were the ESPN predicted us the most likely team to go undefeated the rest of the season yeah. because of him. And, and, and that so, defense was bad. And it was clear from the start that that defense was bad. He and carried, it was like, well, it doesn't matter. You got Taysom. He carried an entire fan base really on his back, right? Like that's not to say he was the only player that was worth winning, but it was like Jimmer, right? Like, right. okay, Jimmer was the best player, and but Jimmer was also the draw. Jimmer was why you yep. were going to watch BYU basketball. There were lots of good basketball teams in the country. Like anybody could have watched anybody, right? There were lots of good basketball teams, but Jimmer was different. You tuned in to watch BYU play basketball because of Jimmer. You tuned in and you went to Lavelle Edwards Stadium to watch Taysom play. Uh, Zach Wilson. Years. Zach Wilson became a hero, right? Like that 2020 season, that was all Zach Wilson. Riley Nelson was a hero for BYU. Imagine if he doesn't come in against Utah State, Jake Keeps continues to play. BYU loses that game. You're in what? You're three of independence? No, that was your one, my guy. Was that one when he yeah, came that was, in? That was 2011. I was oh on my, my mission. <laughs> so imagine, right? Imagine Riley doesn't come in and that's what happens. Cause you just lost to Utah state. Like they'd already cracked that door open of all of a sudden BYU can lose to Utah state uh, the year before. Yeah. The year before now you're an independent team and nobody really knows what to think about independence, especially you in that to first throw a year. schedule to what together. So what, you're, we had you're like playing a two year scheduled agreement with the whack. Yeah. You're playing New Mexico state and Idaho state and Idaho in like the same year. 
and you're going to drop a game to Utah State. Like, you're going to lose fan interest immediately. Riley Nelson is a hero of this program. And I think the further removed we get from independence, and as we look back and go, holy cow, how did BYU, like that was a life raft that actually made it to shore. How did that life raft make it to shore? We're going to look and we're going to say, Taysom Hill, Zach Wilson, Riley Nelson, Kyle Van Noy. Yeah, Those are the saying, kinds of guys. That 2011, carried- 2012, you had KVN, where the yeah. offense was awful in 2012 after Riley broke his back. Kyle Van Noy single-handedly beat San Diego State. 2013, we got the, the sprinkling of Taysom base. in 2012, but then it's like 13, 14, 15, 16, it was Taysom. 2017. They carried, they carried a fan base, which is so yeah. crazy to me to think about. Like, because we haven't talked about it along the way, but as you really break it down, they carried an entire fan base throughout Independence. And that's that's awesome, but that's crazy town. Now, yeah. there were some other people who carried into like carried us through Independence. They were not the players. Tutors. They were they were the Big 12 sources. They were the ones who gave us just enough hope that we were like, you know what? Maybe BYU is actually going to do this. So my question for you, Garrett, I'm going to rattle off some names and feel free at the end of this list to add any names that you think of. Uh, And I want to hear from fans, like hit us up on Twitter, leave us a comment. I don't know, whatever, what do you do? Leave a review on iTunes, find us on discord, whatever. Cause I want to hear from other people. Who was your favorite big 12 source that kept you believing and you this is you're the right one to ask because even still to this day you are clinging to realignment news hoping something happens so let me rattle off names g swaim you got greg swaim who blocked me unblocked me and then when i made fun of him told me not to anyway whatever g swaim chip brown i i missed the whole chip brown thing because he was like he, I had, I asked someone about this the other day and I was like, who is the chip Brown? Like, what is the deal with chip Brown? And it was like, he was the Texas rivals guy or whatever. Yeah. And like orangebloods.com. Yeah. He was, scared. and, yeah. and it was like, people were like, he was the one that was like, the big 12 is falling apart. A&M is leaving. And to the They're, point where then the, a, the president of Texas A&M sent a letter out to all their alumni and fans like, no, we are not leaving. And then literally like a month later, they were applied and like left for the SEC. And it was, and even there was like someone, I dug up this clip that there was like some video from the big 12, like conference meetings or whatever in Dallas. And it was like ESPN. It was like, this may be the day that the big 12 ended. And that was yeah. like the thing that they were talking about on TV in 2011. I didn't was, get any of that, it was but it was like, he weird. knew all of this stuff. Like somebody well, was in his ear. He knew that stuff. Right. But like then all of a sudden, like this aura, like this legend of Chip Brown and it became and I remember even seeing BYU fans talk about it, that it was like, oh, if Texas wants something out, Chip Brown is their guy. That's who they leak it to. I don't think that's at all true. And I mean, in in the history since like then, right, he he nailed the Texas A&M stuff. But in the subsequent years, he's just a guy just like the rest of us. He wasn't like the clairvoyant of Texas like people thought he was. But anyway, Chip Brown, we've got my guy, MHVer3. I don't even know how, like, I've never figured it out. MHVer? MH I think it's MHV's in, like, Mike Hall version three. That's what I think it is. It's oh, MH version it. three. So maybe oh, it's something okay. like version three because he's the third. 
that could be it. I've wondered if it's some sort of like mountaineer or something or other. But yeah, no, you're you're. I think that makes more sense. Uh, we've got the dude of WV, who mm, what was his no, name? Chris Lambert. He kind of yeah. got hoity-toity there after a while. Well, Stop giving was, us the inside goods and he, started judging us. And he, it was just like you look. If you just, I mean, you never want to judge a book by its cover. But I feel like we all safely judged Chris yeah, Lambert. Like, yeah, that, we judged that book by its cover. I, and I think it was fair judgment. We've got Tuxedo Yoda. Like he was out there on Twitter, he was dropping bombs, and for whatever reason, the anonymous account with Yoda in a tuxedo, we were all like, "I bet you that guy's the one. I bet you he knows." So it's gonna be the anonymous one. And then we brought in, we're bringing a cougar board flare, one of our own, Shogunai. I mean, he had the goods there for a minute, and Shogunai, you might be a listener, Shog. Uh, I mean, ultimately, you were wrong on a lot of things, but that's fine. We all were. I think I saw that he actually wrote like an apology because he was like a done deal. It's happening. Right. Guy in like 2011. And then he basically kind of came back and what we've said, it's like with the hard part is there are so few people who are actually in these meetings. Yeah, there's and like if you three. are hearing it secondhand, even if it's from like, like I know like Greg Flugar, however you say his name, whatever. Like he's got his like ASU money perch thing, where basically when ASU, which is weird, like ASU is in the Big Ten for hockey, and they actually like sponsor hockey as a varsity sport and give scholarships, which is very strange, right? But they, so I guess he got to know this dude because some random big money donor from ASU reached out to him and was like, "Hey, ASU is going to start a hockey program, and they're trying to get into the Big Ten." And they like, he randomly reached out to, and so he, he's known this guy for years, whatever. Right. But it's like, okay, it's a big money donor. He's probably in the business world. He understands a little bit more how these things go, but still push come to shove. If you're hearing it secondhand, anything you hear is going to be colored within yeah. whatever the desired outcome is that that yeah. person has. So I've when always... it's, so when Utah fans are saying like, we're having a conversation with the big 10, they think that is if the Big Ten expands west, Utah is going to go. When in reality, what's happened is the Big Twelve in 2016 also listened to presentations from Arkansas State and ECU. Right. There was I mean, never so a chance in hell that they were going to yeah. ever invite either of those schools. Right. But it's but you know got to do that. That's called due game. diligence, right? Yes. And, that's what it is. and it, it's and so you interpret it how you want it to be. So I, I think the Shogunai Shogunai, you said his name. I think. And told me that he posted like an apology. It was like, I had the blue goggles on. Like things were going positive. They were obviously clearly going positive with West Virginia and TCU as well at the same time. But until West Virginia happened that it was like there, you know, they was kind of clear that it was going to be, you know, we thought it was going to be BYU and TCU. I do think our number one though, my number one personal number one is there is a GEHB or I won't name him on here, but if you're on the discord, you know who he is that, in who was a staffer Ooh. in 2010 Ooh. and said that he was outside of Bronco's office when Tom went in there and he, ah. he, he stood, he eavesdropped outside the door. And this was before it went public on ESPN with the PAC 16 stuff that it said, Hey, uh, you know, the pack is expanding. They're taking half the big 12 and you know, they're going to become the PAC 16 and us TCU and Utah we're going to go to the big 12 and like backfill them. That would have been fun. 
It would have been fun. It would have been fine. And so that, I mean, that is, that's, like, but even then, like that is, if, that, and that's the example that I always use, right? Like even if, if that's I straight have, from the eighties mouth, right. Right. That it, it was, even it, if, everything even, can happen until it doesn't. Even if I had a direct line of communication, me and Tom Homo were boys. Tom Homo is, uh, well, when it comes to joining the conference, which is what we're talking about now, Tom Homo can be told all of the right things. The same way a, a recruit can say I'm committed and then turn around and talk to another school. Like that's what the conference could do. Right. So even if Tom Homo is hearing all of the right things, he didn't know what the big 12 was going to do. He had no idea inside the big 12, right? Like uh, I could be Texas. I could have a direct line of communication with the Texas tech AD. That Texas tech AD was one twelfth of the equation. Right. Yeah. I mean, so well, uh, and if and if that AD is the one that's like, it could be eleven guys who are yeah, for it. Totally and, but if that's the one, you know, guy or gal who's against it, and that's the booster you talk to, and you're like, and that, oh yeah. well, I mean, yeah, it's freaking stupid. They want to do that. Like someone's trying to push this. And they want to do this. Then it's like changes. Okay, everything. I'm you know I'm sure there were you know what it was Bobby Robbins, the Arizona president. Right, he told Dennis Daw that he was the one who was like pushing and you try to push for like a. He, he when Oklahoma and Texas left, like pushed for a Big 12 Pac 12 merger in 2021. And you know, like he was the one to push that, but he didn't get bought it. And it's like there's probably Arizona fans at the time who were like, Oh, the Pac 12 and the Big 12 are gonna merge oh, yeah. because he was the proponent of it. Yeah, but then exactly USC fans are like, No, there's no way that's gonna happen because their their side of the story is their AD doesn't want it, their president doesn't want it. So it's all matters about who you're hearing. It's all it from. relative. Yep. So it, we have a couple on here. Well, Black Hat Insider and BYU in Utah. They can't I don't know who the I, okay, Black Hat Insider, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know who it is, but they faded quickly. Uh, the did. BYU in Utah, that one We've was, never figured it out, but I've never we, seen them drop Utah news. They claim no, to have it, Utah news, but yes. it's always BYU news. And the only news that they've consistently got right, so they got the Ty Detmer thing, but I think everybody knew the Ty Detmer thing, yeah. but like that was their claim to fame. Uh, they've only got injury news. And like injury news, you kind of like, like that's... Uh, I've been asked lots of questions, like lots of times for inside information and things like that. Just, you know, on CSI, things that I do. And when it comes to injury news, that is the easiest inside information to give while still hedging a ton, right? Because you could yeah. be like, oh yeah, he's going to play. But then when you're wrong, it's an angle. it doesn't it's play. A hammy. Yeah, yeah, they tested it uh, out. He tweaked it in warmups. Exactly. Um, this guy, I feel like Mitch Harper and I are the only ones who like actively paid attention to him. But the dude was nails for a minute. Teacup piggies. The best thing about teacup piggies is that when he wasn't giving you the latest hot goss on Big 12 expansion, he was giving you the next big penny stock that you should buy a billion shares of so that you could get rich. I don't think he was right on any penny stocks. And I don't know how right he ended up being on any of his projections. I think he's gone now, if I remember right. I think he's lost from the twitter world but teacup piggies was a thing for a minute and i liked it i, I never anon i never heard of teacup piggies oh man he um, was legit he was the guy i don't know who my favorite of these i think i think my favorite of these is probably mh for three because he Dude, truly yeah. like got into the fan fiction to where it was like oh, and he kept i'm it convinced going. i'm convinced that he started out bullshitting and now I think he actually does know some things because I think, I think he here it's like second and third hand. So you have to like try to, you know, 
piece sure. it all together and you're like uh charlie what's his face on it's like on it's always oh, yeah. it's like your map meet right like it's you're trying to piece it all together but i think he has gotten such a following that when people actually do hear things they're like they reach out to him and be like hey have you heard this because uh, he's strung I, it along for so long he, he has and honestly it's not anything that we couldn't do because he there's only so many logical things right like it's when you when Oklahoma and Texas left, you could have asked anybody who the Big Twelve is going to add, and you could have said, "You would well, have known." You could have said, "Memphis just went to a New Year's Six Bowl. They're there. There's talent in the area. Cincinnati is closer to West Virginia. That helps fix that problem. And they've you know gone back to back." Right. Or they've gone, you know, been really good and they were good in the Big East and they got screwed over. Everyone think, you know, they got screwed over, which supposedly I heard like today that they're on 365 sports, that their play by play guy said that they turned down an ACC invitation that was in, stupid. in 2010 because they were like, no, this is staying together, whatever. And then Syracuse and Pitt bounced right after that, um, which that sucks. Um, like you could say Houston is a maybe, but it depends on if the schools like want another Texas school, but maybe they'll be okay with it. Like yeah. that was the discussion. UCF is UCF. It gets them into Florida, but the travel's a problem. But maybe if they bring USF also, then that kind of alleviates that yeah, for the other sports. You could, you and then knew. there's BYU. Like you had you six schools max Yeah, that you knew it's, think of it was going to be two or four out of these six. Think of how quick the rice to the Pac-12 thing spread. And it was like, I am convinced in my mind that there was no truth whatsoever to Rice in the Pac-12. Other than like you mentioned, like Arkansas State, they pitched, right? Yeah. Like Big 12 was never going to add Arkansas State. But I sure. think there was an article in The Athletic that said in the whole 2016 like dog and pony show, there were 20-something schools. Yeah, there's a ton. To. So I'm convinced that, yeah, I'm sure that Rice sent a PowerPoint over to George Klyovka. But like how quickly that spread of people like, Oh, high academics. Oh, gets them into Texas. Oh, SMU. Yeah. Rice is a serious contender. Like, that's the thing. Like, when it comes to journalists, you're right. Logic, I think, carries a lot of it. And you can present yourself as an insider. Look at Stuart Mandel, right? Like, does he have inside information? Of course he does. But like the famous article that he wrote, like pontificating on the, the Big 12 going to make $7 million a year, that was all out of his own brain. That was just him piecing things together. He was wrong, and this is why sports journalists should stick to sports journalism, not breaking down economics. They got to leave journalisming uh, to us. Yeah, leave the yeah. journalisming to the real ones. But like, he presented that, and there for a long time until it was verifiably not true. Like that was what we all thought was true because, of yeah. course, he's a journalist. He's going to say it. Did you throw uh, away your nope Big Twelve shirt? No, I still have it. It, it feels like uh <laughs> which I I will say, I mean that was a bit aggressive. We were coming on strong. Well, at the Michael time, Resco did look smart at the time. Well, and, and Bob Bullsby had a very yeah. bad track record. Bob Bullsby, and who we hate. He managed to pull one out of the hat by getting this aligned. Like, Bob, thank you. We yeah. we talked a lot of crap on you, but in the my, end, you got done what we need you to get done. My favorite is uh definitely MH version 3. Because yeah, the, the just the the commitment to the shtick, even up until tonight, he's still tweeting right now. The commitment to his shtick for this long. Now I disagree with you. I don't think he hears real things. I don't. I think he has just 
fully subscribe to George Costanza's It's Not a Lie If You Believe It. And I think that these ideas that he's conjured up in his mind, he is so far removed from reality that they're real to him. How many hold on? How many subscribers is he up to now? He's got more than I do. I think he's at like 15, 16,000. He's at 18 and a half thousand. That's oh, all. Here's the thing. I think he's at 18 and a half thousand subscribers. I think somebody is probably though, he's not going to hear anything secondhand or like firsthand from a big money donor or something. He's going to be hearing it like, oh, I was talking to my uncle who's a big donor, whatever. Because that's the other thing about these Twitter dudes. Should we test it? Oh, yeah. So that's because the other like, thing. Here, I mean, like, look, I've got enough of a following on Twitter that if I send him a DM and be like, bro, have you heard this about Utah? I'm pretty sure he'd think it's real. Okay, we need to test this. He probably doesn't. He doesn't listen to us, so we can do that. I don't know. He might listen do it. To us. Do it right now. before, So that would get it in now before we publish this. And so he can, you know, get this going. Um Right, but well, I, I think he probably hears something. Like that. But that's the other thing with like the, all these Twitter dudes is there's oh there's the one guy the one account on I can't do it. I've mocked him so much. It's got to come uh, from you because if he ever were yeah. to be like now who the hell is this Rakutu guy and he searches Rakutu and M8 I mocked him for ten years. Okay, let me try. Um, so the only thing uh, hearing a lot of. Tried to formally apply to the Big 12 and got completely shut down. They're going to get screwed, Cincy Big East style. Have you heard anything similar lately? Seems like ASU is right behind them of hitching their wagon to they're hitching their wagon to the nine week. Yeah. There we go. What he said. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um the so I just DM'd him. We'll see if he answers or if he looks at it. But the um so I think the other thing too though is with these like Twitter wannabe guys, they're the only person there was that one it was like BYU practice notes. Do you remember that account? That like it was private uh, yeah, and it was somebody, that, I don't know yeah. who it was. Cause he had, he would get into practice and he would like open up and he would like, I'm accepting fault. Like if you got him to accept your follow, then he would basically, he would live tweet like every practice. I don't I know who he that. was. Yeah. I remember that. But that he kind of, he got cut off because, but that's the thing is if you let word get out like of this and they trace it back to you, you're you done. Get cut off. You're and it's the people who, the people who are in actually close enough to the situation to where like, if you are a donor who's thrown enough around enough money, you're walking into the, whatever your school student athlete building admin building with a big enough stick that the AD actually cares about your opinion or the AD is calling you up and being like, Hey, you know, whatever Boulder businessman of the year uh, or businesswoman of the year, we are considering going back to the big 12 what do you think about that? How, you know, if you are in that level of position, which that is the level of position that you would need to be in to get accurate information firsthand of what's going on in these conversations, you're not dicking around spreading it on an anonymous Twitter account. Like no. there, that is, there's this disconnect. And the thing but about MH, the fanfic is pretty good. The MH3, the commitment. 
is that it was always like his news is always like just got a call from my source he just walked out of a meeting like the guy is like oh yes. we're in a meeting we're discussing like we're gonna add 12, TCU 12. holy shit we got a call MH for right now it never made sense it never yes made it's sense. always like packed big 12 media days happening right now expecting a follow-up call in about 30 minutes yeah and it was always from like oh talk to my pac 12 source I'm like who the hell do you know in the pac 12 that is going to immediately call you so no i i am no there's no chance none of it's real it is all make-believe but i love it yeah. i love my guy mh for uh i i agree i think he's the best one uh, the dude of WV, he was pretty consistent there for a few years. Is but he then, still around? Uh, he still exists, but he doesn't do inside information. Anymore. He kind of got weird during COVID, if I remember right. Uh, like he, he really, oh, he really is took like, that hard. Anyway, the, um, so anyway, he's he's not great. BYU and Utah, that guy still exists. Oh, but like, his where account is BYU suspended. The dude of WV, is his account is suspended from oh, the Twitters. Well. I can say he got weird during COVID. What is the best part of being in the Big 12? Like, what are you looking forward to the most? Is it rivalries? Is it conference champions? Speaking of rivalries, I went to lunch with a former TCU quarterback today. I didn't know it was a TCU quarterback. His claim to fame is that uh, when he was there, he would hand the ball off to LaDainian Tomlinson at practice. Oh, at practice. So yeah. the Not in a game. Him. He wasn't ever good enough to play. Uh, who, who was this person? I want to look at his. Um, honestly, I couldn't find him on the roster, but his business partner did agree. And because of the nature of the business, I don't think I can mm. say his name. Ooh. Okay. So you, you, we can rule this out as you're not going to go spread this from an anonymous Twitter. No, no, no. no. We, know. we now know enough. You know everything okay. I'm going to say. But uh, anyway. Uh, so is it rivalries? So talking to him, he was pretty excited, right? He was like, yeah, I'm excited about BYU. He's like, I think it's a great addition. I'm excited to play BYU again, excited to go to games, excited to have BYU, you know, when we let him have BYU fans come down to Fort Worth again. He's excited about BYU. But one thing he said that I completely agreed with is he said, I'm excited to remember how much I hate BYU. I said, oh, hell yeah, the guy like you and me. We're going to get along. I, I'm excited to remember. Like right now, it's cool. We cheered for TCU in the championship. The Frogs are cool. The Big 12, we're all friends. We're all happy right now. I'm excited to remember that like, oh yeah, I don't really like you, Horn Frogs. I kind of really hate you. Like I still don't forgive you for Gary Patterson and, and making me watch him pull up his pants on the sidelines for all those years. I don't feel good about that. Yeah. I still remember being I was at the the game in 2005 like the double or triple overtime game where it was like there were like the refs were so bad. I remember cuz that was the Mountain West that was before the NCAA had standardized coaching challenges and yeah. so it was just like it was a timeout or like you had one and you could keep challenging until you lost. You had unlimited challenges until you lost one. And once yeah. your streak broke, that was you're done for the game. And I think Bronco got like three or four overturned. It was ridiculous. And then there was clearly fumbled short of the goal line. And we should have got the ball back, but then we lost by one bull crap. Yeah. But, I'm excited for rivalries. I'm excited for conference championships. I'm, I mean, I'm excited, yeah, to develop rivalries. Just don't try to force. This is my only thing. Do not try to force a rivalry with TCU. I, I, I know agree. that is our only school that we have history with, really in the league, but it's like they've been in the Big 12 
twice as long as they were in the Mountain West. Yeah. And they were also in the Southwest Conference. With I'm nervous Baylor about Baylor and Houston and Tech for the last whatever. Baylor, if that becomes a thing, that's honestly fine with me. I'm nervous because about like it the, because the I, years, but it's like I think they're trying to make Baylor a rival. I think fans want Baylor to be a rival. And I think we're pushing too hard for it. When in reality, if I like if I'm being honest, here's the two schools, like other than TCU, just because it will be easy to remember. But I don't think they're ever going to be like our conference rival. The two schools that I think will be BYU's conference rivals, Texas Tech, because Lubbock is and Provo are going to be the closest, right? Like that's closest to Provo. Until I Tucson. Think. Until Tucson. I, I think that that rivalry, and I think BYU fans are going to be kind of shocked at the uh, anti-Mormon uh, propaganda when they walk into Lubbock. And so I think that very quickly that's going to develop into like a St. Mary's-esque type rivalry. And then Iowa State. I think Iowa State very quickly. Like we're not going to like. Iowa I mean, because Iowa State. And they're not going to like look us. at it. Even if you look at it now, well, and so with the BYU thing, I mean, I remember seeing some BYU fan on Twitter being like, "Oh, it's like we used to play them, and we had a great rivalry." In it's like having three great games doesn't make it a rivalry, right? Yeah. But I mean, but it's it, you know like having, but we were in a conference before, and we bumped in, so it's like being revived, like we call it the rivalry, and it's like no, just like stop. You're making yourself look dumb because that is the official name of the Baylor TCU rivalry like stop okay and it's like you can't force it and so that's really i've hated the idea of tcu becoming a rival because i felt like from the jump we're doing that but after the baylor game two years ago and then the baylor game last year and like them sending us a welcome gift and then them taking jeff grimes it was like it kind of feels like baylor's gonna be it i think if it happens great i have no problem with it i feel like we're trying to like you really can never for, like you man. cannot civil conflict this. Like, do you remember when the exactly. ACC tried to That's make exactly right. Florida? And, we don't well, even need they did a it again today. In the Rockies. Yes, we did the way between UConn and UCF, and they did it again today. That it was like the regional rivalry because UCF left, so they don't have the Warren I four anymore. So like FAU and USF is whatever. Which apparently I learned yesterday that UCF fans have befriended FAU fans and are like. You can take our place on shitting on USF and hating them and beating them at everything. So they're cool now. USF and FAU are cool because it. they're like we will just hate USF. I can together. see I can see UCF and BYU becoming pretty big rivals. Yeah, well, and, and because like, we're about the about ones it, with the outliers. Right? We're the ones like with the outliers. Tech has Houston. They have history. Like they've played so almost, many times. There's almost as much history. Realistically, think about this. There's almost almost as much more recent history between BYU and UCF than there is with BYU and TCU. Like, because we're not in Mount West conference chases, but I think we played UCF four times, didn't we? Uh, At least I guess we had, I know we had two or three and then there were more on the schedule and maybe it got canceled. I don't remember, but like UCF was part of it. Yep. And so there's, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, we've played most of the, League, but even if you look at next year, you like you pair it off, right? Even in, within Texas, you have TCU and Baylor. That's their thing, right? And then it's like Houston and Tech. They're both in Texas. Tech is the third biggest public school behind. There's a lot of Tech fans, actually, that people that like, they have a pretty ardent fan base. And it's like they have their whole history together in the, South, in the Southwest Conference and being around each other. Then you got Kansas and Kansas State, obviously, so mm-hmm. that and then Cincy and West Virginia are close to each other and they have similar to TCU, right? They have that history from the Big East era, but 
where it feels a lot more natural because they're not West Virginia is not going back into a league with a bunch of schools that they were in a league with before. Right. And so mm-hmm. they've been the outlier where TCU has fit in since day one that they joined the big 12. So then that leaves UCF, BYU, Iowa state and Oklahoma state. So it, I think it really does feel where it could be UCF and BYU as like the opposite ends of the league. And yeah. then Oklahoma and Iowa state and Iowa state have been in the same conference for like almost a hundred years. I agree. So, I think but just don't force it. Rivalries have to be organic. They have to be organic. I think we'll find ways to hate teams. I think we're going to hate Texas Tech. I think people are are not prepared. Like I've been to Lubbock. Our very first show, remember? Lubbock sucks. That was yep, like we sold show. that shirt. Somebody um, bought one. Don't remember who. <laughs> I I don't think BYU fans are mentally prepared for what that environment will be like in Lubbock when inevitably we go to Lubbock. Um, I don't think that we're mentally prepared for the amount of anti LDS, whatever we're going to get from Iowa state. Like remember folks, they tried to keep us out. Like of all the schools that didn't want us, it was Iowa state. who was the loudest. So like, they're not going to be quiet when Iowa or when BYU has to roll to Ames. Like they're not going to be like, Oh yeah, come on guys. We, we don't care anymore. Like that's not going to happen. Uh, so there's going to be plenty of teams that hate us. We're going to Iowa try... State with their never, they have never won double digit games Crazy. in a season ever. Uh, Kansas State, I, I've heard people be like, oh yeah, it'll be like 96 all over again. That was uh, one game 30 feet, freaking 25 I, years ago. I did an interview with a Kansas State guy and I brought up 96. He didn't even remember that BYU played Kansas State. Yeah, that's like, so yeah. It's going to be interesting. You just, you I, just I'll tell you what I'm excited for. I'm excited for a couple of things. I'm excited for Twitter because it'll be like professional sports again, right? Like you develop uh, Braves Twitter, just mocks Mets Twitter all the time. And it's right. kind of fun to see. And when you're in a conference, you develop that with the Twitter fan base. Like UCF fans, they're nuts on Twitter. That'll be fun. Cincinnati fans don't exist on Twitter. I don't know why. I haven't seen any yet. But it'll be fun. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for all conference teams just because that feels like an easy goal. And maybe that's just because I am supposed to create content on the internet and all conference teams is like hella easy content. And so I'm really excited about that. And maybe the thing I'm most excited for, Utah will no longer be able to flex power five status over BYU on recruits. Like they have spent... 12 years i mean if I, if we really wanted to like when when the utah state legislature is auditing the athletic department at utah like let's figure out how many dollars they've invested into damaging the brand of byu by showcasing p5 versus not p5 because it's a lot yeah as you go back over the last 12 years it's a lot and uh, I'm excited that that's gone. And I'm excited that BYU withstood that storm because, like, that was a pretty big PR storm. We talked about it earlier. Kudos to the fans for continuing to support the program. It got bleak a couple of years there. Like, we get into the 40s, right? I remember that seeing attendance at BYU, Lavelle Edwards Stadium in the 40,000s. Like, that was a little bit scary, but we did it. We got through it. And now things can get back to normal. But man, like you had Utah that like their propaganda, they turned Jason Buck against us. They turned one <laughs> of our own against us. Like they, there were lots of people. 
I mean, and that's really, I mean, there's a lot of dudes, even you look at their roster where it's like, you feel like you're a BYU dude. You should have been there. Uh, I just want to, I just want to go back and uh, reiterate that there are only two P5 schools that have never had 10 win football seasons. <laughs> Suck at Iowa State. And who, who do you think is the other one? Ever. Two, only, there's only two P5 schools that have never had a double-digit season. Indiana? Uh, nope. They have had... Let me see. They have had... One. Oh, I was so close. Another one. It's got to be a Big Ten school. No, not a Big Ten school. Oh, then I don't know. It was Vanderbilt. Really? That actually yep. kind of surprises me. So the even other schools that have had 10-1 seasons, UTEP has one, Indiana, New Mexico State, Western Michigan, Buffalo, Virginia only has one in their entire history. That's mildly surprising, actually. UNLV has one. That's really surprising. There's Duke has two. Purdue only has two. There is a lot. It's kind of surprising. This is actually kind of interesting looking uh, how schools have done it, you know, beyond. And then there's Alabama trucking along with 44. Yeah, that's wild. We're at number 16 with 18 all time. Huh. Just ahead of Florida and Auburn, Miami, Washington, Virginia Tech, Texas A&M. Will we see – we got to go back to our guy Kevin – Will we see a bump in big uh, in recruiting as a result Gosh, of being a in the big? Stupid Provo? question. I agree. Do you think Kingsley Suamataia is coming to Provo if we're not going to the Big Twelve? Do you think Keaton Slovis is coming to Provo if we're not going to the Big Twelve? I mean, you can even go further. Do you think like Darius Lassiter? Like, I get it. He's an Eastern Michigan transfer. Landon Chambers, options. right? Like, there's a lot. There's a lot of guys. Not Landon Chambers. That was a kid who decommitted. It was the who is the kid but from? Even uh, him. No, I'm thinking of um, Dion. Oh yeah, him. Smith. But no, not Dion. Smith. Who was the other know. the kid from El Paso? That's L. J. Martin. L. J. Martin. I knew it started with an L. That was, yeah. But Landon Landon Chambers, who ended up at Central Arkansas. But again, he well, I mean, that one he ended up at an FCS school. I think some grades were involved there, right? But the yeah, there were. Um, there's you no know, dudes like Reiner Swanson, probably not coming. Uh, like he's a maybe. He's a maybe. Right? He's a firm like maybe. Jackson but Bowers, let's also go, like a firm maybe, but it well, was like that was a slam dunk sign. Like no doubt about it. Let's go through the list of just recently, right? Um, Davis Andrews. So there's a couple of things here. We're gonna do some recruiting updates and kind of wrap up the show. Uh, but we'll do these recruiting updates in the name of would they come at the Big Twelve, right? And, and, and there's two components that we have to consider as we go through this list. Uh, any defensive guy in the class of 2024, there's two advantages now that BYU has, and that coincidentally happen to be happening at the same time. Jay Hill and his staff, they're recruiting better. Like, they're recruiting much better. I don't know how else to say it. They're recruiting better. Even if BYU doesn't get them, like, sign the recruits, the We're process putting balls in play. Yeah, the process is better. And it's one of those things of results are a lag measure, right? Like results are you're looking back at what happened. After it's a result, you can't influence it anymore. So we've got to look at the lead measures of the things that you can influence today that will result in results. 
and BYU is killing it on the lead measures. Now you got to hope that those convert, right? But like Jay Hill's recruiting better. So it goes without saying. And also the Big 12. So those two things, Jay Hill, the Big 12, they're happening right now at the same time in, in unison. So it's hard to say if we, you know, when we're talking about Davis Andrews, is it the Big 12 or is it Jay Hill? The answer is yes. But let's let's keep that in mind as we talk about this. Davis Andrews, is he coming to BYU without the Big 12? No. Nope. He's not. He he's might, not even coming on a visit. He he may consider BYU with Jay Hill without the Big 12, but he's not seriously considering them, for sure. Cash Dillon, maybe, because I think he's kind of a homebody a little bit and would like to stay home, but it's Utah. He's going to Utah. If BYU doesn't have the Big 12, he flirts with BYU, but he's going to Utah. Uh, Maya Liawaki Smith, no. Like, hard no, right? We already know that. Ephraim Asiata, no. I don't think Ephraim Asiata is going to end up at BYU. I don't. But I don't think that Ephraim Asiata is as 100% Utah as people think. And I think it's because of Jay Hill and the Big 12. I mean, even if you well, Sione Pua being a BYU probably helps, and Kalani being there. I mean, that's beyond just the Big Twelve, and it's like you could probably, with Jay Hill, Sione Pua, and Kalani all being in Provo, you pro- like you you get him down on an unofficial. He's going to show his face, but just because he lives up the road and he wants to get wine and dined, right? Or, um, but they, you I mean the fact that you have a you know, a Utah legacy. And it's not just like a random, you know, like a, yeah, a random like, kid who played it. it, it, it it's it not a Mike a Wilson, Wilson situation. Yeah. yeah right. It's not a Mike Wilson situation, right? You know, Matt Asiata was a very well-known player, He's like a legend. Very well, legend up there. And it's like his kid is taking a visit on the big weekend and then apparently seemed to really enjoy his time. And it's actually like, Oh, I could see myself here. Yeah. Uh, Faletau Satuala. No, he's not coming to BYU without the Big 12. He may not come to BYU with the Big 12. He's not considering BYU without the Big 12. Yeah. Uh, even a guy like Carson Suesue, Um, This is an interesting one because, yes, he would consider BYU without the Big 12 right now. His other option right now is Utah State. But BYU wants him to come as an athlete. Utah State will recruit him as a quarterback. So the conversation like the decision that Carson Suesue has to make right now is do I play quarterback for sure at the Mountain West or do I go be an athlete in the Big 12 if you take away the Big 12 and it's I can be a quarterback at Utah State or an athlete as an independent well we know what decision that would be because Cooper Lega is playing quarterback at Utah State like so the Big 12 does factor in there and then Jet Nelson. Jet Nelson's a BYU guy. But he got a ratings update. That's why he's on our list. He was initially rated an 80, all the way up to an 84 today. Well-deserved. Maybe he Very needs well to be deserved. a little bit higher, but I actually think I said I want him up to 84. So maybe shame on me. Maybe I should have shot for the sky, you know? Um, but even if we're looking at transfers, I mean, there's been a crap ton of transfers. A lot of them. taking 21, right? Uh, Harrison Taggart, well... Uh, as a bounce back, maybe if, because of Jay Hill being there, but the 
being close and just, I mean, that you want to talk about a poor recruitment the first go around. There you go. It's like oh, yeah. uh, Camden Garrett. Nope. He, he followed Jay Hill, but without, and going to the big 12 without the big 12, he, or sorry, I was thinking not, I didn't mean Camden Garrett, Eddie Heckard, you know, he followed Jay Hill. Even and Camden went to the big 12 though. and both of them, they would have yeah. gone to probably gone to other P five schools. Yeah. They both, uh, uh, Eddie Heckard, like he, he was like UCLA wanted him in a big way. Yeah. Uh, Keelan Marion, maybe. I mean, he was looking at ECU. Dion Smith, he could have gone to a low level. That's maybe uh, Darius Lassiter, Jake Corn. See, Caleb Etienne, nope. AJ Von Chong, nope. Um, Eddie Heckard, so there's another starter. Paul Miley, nope. Um, do Jackson Cravens, nope. Keaton Slovis, nope. Isaiah Bognon, nope. Aiden Robbins, nope. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's crazy. Nine. Are we are, are we calling Camden Garrett a starter? No, no, we, we I am. I'm chalking him up as a starter for sure. The, and then Taggart, ten. That is ten potential starters. That are coming this year because of being in the big 12. So don't yeah. ask freaking stupid ass questions, Kevin. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't have said it better. The, so this is actually an interesting question. So I, uh, someone DM'd me a, someone who covers a different school and was like, I'm doing some prep stuff. It's like, he's like, what the hell is your depth chart going to look like this year? Especially on defense. I'm like, that's a good freaking question, bro. Like yeah. I can, even on offense, like on the offensive line, I can give you, five starters with uh, maybe an or where it's like, man, this one could go either way. Like, I don't know, like is Waylon Lapal who going to start? Is Jake Eichel going to start? Is Ian Fitzgerald going to start? Whatever. But it's like, I can give you the, the, I can give you 12 names on the offensive line. And I don't know other than four of them are going to guarantee me stars. I mean, I don't even know who's going to play guard and who's going to play tackle. Cause we brought in like six offensive linemen through the portal this off season, even a DB, right? It's like, we brought in Camden Garrett, brought in Eddie Hecker. It's like, okay, cool. Then it's like Camden Garrett. And it's like, Oh, we still got Jaden Dunlap floating around from, you know, earlier in the off season. We got Jacob Robinson here. We got, it's like, we got Camden Garrett. We brought him in. And then it's like, Oh, well, we also, you know, took Dylan flowers from SUU and then Eddie Hecker, Jacob Run, like Marcus, Marcus McKenzie's no Marcus scrub. McKenzie, Maury Bamba, uh, Chibu, Chibu, uh, how do you say his last name? Um, yeah, I, I can, it's like, I can tell you a few guys for, who are not going to start. How about that? Yeah, sorry, you Chica, Slade, Chica, you Ebu, Chica, I think it's Chica Ebunua. He's one of them. Maury yeah. Bamba, he's one of them. I, I've never, <laughs> I've never been asked more about a recruit. On like how he's developing about a walk-on than Maury Bamba. Is he a walk-on? I thought they put him on scholarship. No, he's a walk-on. Nah. But it's it's just because people he's a really about long him. athlete, right? Like I, I guess, but people yeah, ask me questions about him like, oh, yeah, uh, when is it that uh, Darrell Rivas is going to finally hit the field, Jeff? <laughs> and it's like, uh, you mean Maury Bamba? Maybe never. But at the first time, I mean, we've brought in so many guys. That to legitimately, Bamba. though. Back my way though, on the offensive line and in the defensive backfield, I'm like, oh, if we have like two injuries, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, like it's I don't, you know, and partially that is because I mean, well, Eddie Heckard is pretty freaking good, but yeah. like we don't, we're not looking at like, oh, it's you know, 
Darrell Revis and we're once it falls off, we're gonna get freaking it's not the year where like it's Jordan not Sky Povey. Yeah, it's not we're going not going from Jordan Johnson to Sky Povey. <laughs> yeah, that was I mean, when Jordan Johnson went down with the that was the the year that all of a sudden every BYU fan learned the word boundary corner. When Jordan yes. Johnson went down, it was like I was gonna play boundary corner. Like I've been going to games for a million years and never heard one BYU fan say boundary corner. But well, all and of a sudden, it, that was the well, term. that. And then it was a couple years later against Michigan when we just got wrecked and only had like 100 yards of offense or whatever. And our receivers just got mugged. Then yeah. I'm start talking about press man. Yeah. Yeah. I press know. man. And it's like nobody says press man. Yeah. Right. Very, like you can play man coverage. It's not pressing. You can press yeah. in zone coverage. Like those very, are two different very things. Strange. Very, um, very strange. The. So they, it's there's a, just a lot of bodies where it's like we're not trotting out uh, what is someone on the Discord said it once our kind of our generic like our our Joe Blow of you know of generic BYU football players was Sam Hinkley from Olympus High School yeah. like we're not trotting out Sam Hinkley at corner yeah. anymore like yeah. sorry to the the Ben Criddles of the world and Scott Johnsons of the world where we're starting Quinn, three Quinn Gooches. I mean, uh, Quinn Gooch isn't playing oh, in this era. Yeah, it's like Bright, we Bright actually is, isn't going to play at this era. Uh, it's, you know, with between like Dunlap, Heckard, Flowers, you know, uh, Garrett, like those are all dudes who got playing time at a high level. Plus, we still have Jacob Robinson coming back and we still have, you know, other guys there. And then it's you still rounding it out where it's, you know, you've got, I mean, there's guys in the program where it's like, yeah, you're like, looking at Chica and Maury Bamba. And the reason they're asking about him is because it, what we're used to in terms mm-hmm. of raw talent at that position was scraping the barrel. And the Liz are like, well, at least this dude runs like a 10, four, like we I mean, throw him out there. Right. You know, it's like, he can go out there and be the uh, Chris Wilcox type, maybe, yeah. you know, if we need him to be, but at least it's something right where we didn't. Ha- and so even you know it's just the weird depth, feeling the, that the it's depth like, is better at corner when you're not, nobody's talking about Zion Allen and Evan Johnson. Yeah. And like, those are guys that were brought in to sit for a couple of years, develop and and play. Right. Like they were Keenan Ellis. They were D'Lo Gunter. Like that's who they were supposed to be. D'Lo Mandel, whatever his name ended up being. That's who Zion Allen and and Evan Johnson are supposed to be. And I think they're right on track, but we're not talking about them at all. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So will we see a big 12 bump in recruiting? Yes, Kevin, we friggin' will. And we already have, so shut up about it. I mean, he hasn't brought it up in a long time, but I'm still kind of bitter about it. It was a stupid article then. It's a stupid article now. What a dumb question. Um, I think there's a lot of things, even other parts on the, I mean, I'm looking up the roster now where it's, it'll be real. I'm really excited and kind of what I told him was like, I'll give you a depth chart, but don't hold me to this because I have no idea what this is going to look like come week one. Yeah. Because like we don't even what know do we call that. a hybrid? Like where are you gonna put someone an edge rusher? Like how are you gonna play Bodie Schoonover? Like it's are you gonna like use him like a Kyle Van Noy coming off of the edge where he's kind of a stand up defensive end at the time? Or are you gonna tell him to keep putting weight and turn him into a like a you know turn into yeah. an actual defensive end? Like there's so many things where it's just like we don't know because we haven't we seen it. Um we're also entering a new era here at Give 'em Hell Brigham. We already kind of entered. We're getting both feet into the new era here at Give Em Hell Brigham. Uh, if you don't know, the Daily Dose is a thing. I launched it April 30th, so really May 1st. Uh, so we're a couple months into the Daily Dose over on YouTube. 
short form, you know, eight to 10 to 12 minute videos every day. I can tell you that you do have listeners in my family because people Ooh. in my family have texted me and were like, what was Jeff hinting at when he said this? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I, so go. I'm sorry that I did not watch all of them. Oh, well, so, but now we know who's holding down the view count, and it's Garrett. It is me. I'm uh, sorry, but it's it exists. It's going. If you haven't checked us out there, uh, essentially that's just like a really condensed and serious version of this podcast. Here we ramble. Here we talk about everything. Like I, I've been meaning to bring up, I just haven't been able to work it into the show yet. But did you see the news from the LGBTQ Foundation that they would, in, in the effort of not offending trans people, which great, let's not offend people, they would prefer that we start referring to vaginas as bonus holes is what they want us to call them because some people don't have a vagina, so let's call it a bonus hole. And this took a weird turn, kid show, I know, but I'm just repeating what I'm supposed to bonus hole i'm being respectful to everybody but uh, i could have come up with a lot of other like replacement names that wouldn't have made me chuckle like bonus hole oh my gosh but i'm gonna use that that wasn't on babylon b i'm gonna google this on my phone instead of my work computer i think it was no it's anyway it's bonus holes uh so the daily dose is a little bit more serious we're not going to talk about anybody's bonus hole there but we are talking about football, BYU stuff. We're fueling algorithms. That's already going. You have an announcement to make. So Dude, announce. so earlier in the offseason, uh, I did a couple episodes, and then we kind of got in the middle of the summer where there was not anything going on. Of what I, we called GFB Express, we said we're going to put this on the podcast feed, maybe do it during the season. So we that will be launching. Uh, not sure when. Got to get get got to do a little graphics work, get a little setup going. Um, but similar to the daily dose, we are going to be G. Uh, we're going to have the GFB Express. So that will be little blurbs, similar like five minute format. Uh, so it's just remember me. Every, you know, next time you go to the bathroom, right? Yeah. You know, just pull your phone out five to seven minutes. The you know before you go back to your Sudoku. And when you're instead of the shitter Twitter, um, the that we will be doing that, just covering national news lines, kind of national things, doing similar blurbs. And then we're also we are going to start putting our uh, epi- actual episodes on. And I think we will because of the a lot of our episodes, you know, you and I uh, tend to we like to ramble. We get way into the weeds Right. We've had episodes go really long. This one's about an hour. So it's, we're going to try to keep the episode length at about 35 to 45 minutes. It's going to be the sweet spot. And then we will have the Daily Dose, GFB Express. We are kind of expanding that. And then the, on the newsletter front, the newsletter will be where we do. I mean, we'll still do some preview things. Uh, the newsletter will be where we continue to, you know, maybe just the more like the non- sports stuff we'll have like the we'll have the non-sports intro right but we're gonna keep where the bulk of the bulk of the show is going to be sports focused with a little non-sports intro the funny story whatever the headline is and then having yeah the bonus (laughs) and then but then the newsletter will be you know we'll have things related into the newsletter will continue to be what it is uh 
this hey, offseason, we have not ke- we have not kept to a very a super consistent schedule on the newsletter, and that's partially our fault. But also, people haven't really been complaining. If you are not on the Discord, please join us. That is where the truly the magic happens. If you want to support the show, and honestly, why it's like the Discord is where you will get the most value. And, the and most we re, for your buck. We've restructured the Discord. So yes. even if you are a free member, there's more conversation happening there that yes. was not happening previously. The bulk of the goods is still on VIP. That's where it's always but, going to yes, be. Yes, but there but are more, more. Uh, there are more free there's been more free posts in the free channels than since we were in this last week than like the last six months combined because so, we kind of put them all next to each other. So it kind yeah. of, we nudged people to, you know, talk about BYU football things in the BYU football channel rather than the VIP ch- chat. And so, so really what we're trying to say here, if you prefer video content, we are checking that box. If you prefer long form con uh, podcasts where we ramble and still talk about sports, we are checking that box. We could, I haven't yet, but we could put our short form videos in podcast form. Like if, if that's, if there's a demand for that, we can make that happen. If you prefer the written word, check that box. If you prefer just uh, a secure behind a paywall conversation with fans and you want that community feel, we checked that box. Give them hell, Brigham. When we started this out, it was a podcast because we were bored during COVID. But now, this is truly an all-encompassing, all-inclusive BYU fan experience. This is a, a multimedia conglomerate. It is. That would make Tom Haverford yes. and Entertainment 720 yeah. envious. It, it would. I mean, we are doing some really cool stuff. Like, we just... Yeah. We just did a VIP run on polos that you're only going to find a give them hell, Brigham polo in one place. And it says, if you're a VIP subscriber at give them hell, Brigham, we did those. They look great. I got mine today. Looks fantastic. So things are happening. It's a different way to experience BYU football. And no matter how you like to experience BYU football, we are checking all of those boxes if Garrett didn't live so damn far away, we could do fan events and things like that too. That's you know our next. If, that's our next bet box to check. Our next box to check is a fan event, and I mean, I, I can, I can be up and back in a day. There's plenty of options for me. It's not bad. I'm we'll actually I'm out. doing that to San Francisco next week. So it's <laughs> the, uh, but the. Yeah, we, we have options. I think the the newsletters will probably. I will say those probably slow. Those have been sporadic in the off season, just because there's like. There's, it's so, there's not like the whole point of GHP was that we do not want to give you the bland, like this person took a revisit and he has said he had a great time and he continues to stay in contact with the coaches. Mm -hmm. Like Jaron Hall threw for 347 yards and two touchdowns and one interception last week and then added another 42 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Like you can get that anywhere. And so as we, do I think I don't even know initially like I just as how things have changed like initially we're like oh maybe let's do a discord it could be like maybe as an add-on thing we didn't realize that that would be like the primary thing that gets people involved uh we said we'll do like three newsletters a week and there'll be like two free and one paid or like four a week and there'll be two and two we said that it's like the newsletters have slowed down 
because and people don't really complain. And honestly, in the newsletters, I don't even know. We don't even keep it on a schedule of like this is like everyone is free and this is free. It's really more like the VIP ones are like when it is something uh, more personal. Like if you want a VIP newsletter, you can go read the one about Bilt Bar. There's some things in there. Um, if you missed that one, um, we do it, we do some. But the way that the way that the newsletters have turned out is. Uh, it's exactly what you describe when there's value to be written, right? Yes. And, and that, and that comes more in the season. Like there's no question yeah. about it. And, and yeah. already and as the, we season, are not, the season yeah, inching closer. I think we've done four this week. Yep. Right? And so and it's, we're like the, we're not like the, uh, there's a, and you see this a lot with YouTube channels where it's like, someone is great. Like, do you remember Guga? Were you ever a Guga guy? Like Guga Foods on YouTube, you ever see him? Or it was like this is Brazilian dude who was always like doing different stuff with like steak and whatever. It was like he used to do all these great videos, and then it's like you run out of ideas when you're like, I'm gonna do a new video every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Do you realize how hard it is to come up with 150 videos a year, right, Um, or something like that? I have come up with 60 videos in like 65 days. So yeah, yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty well familiar. With how difficult and so, that is. And, and, but I mean, and that's like doing a full, that's why the daily dose is nice. Cause if you do three to five minutes, then it's just like one random topic, right? You know, you can, in whatever you muse on, you ramble for three minutes and you're good. Right. So it's when we lock into, and I've seen this with other newsletters as well, where it's like when they lock in to, we're going to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever the quality goes down. It's really hard to keep up good things. You get to the point where you are begrudgingly trying to crank out 1200 words to write something for the sake of writing it. It's not good. You don't enjoy writing it. You read it afterwards and you're like, well, this actually sucks, but this is what we said our schedule is going to be. And we're going to win from that. It's like, you know, most of our things like last night, I sent out a thing. It was like eight games you missed from 2022 because I couldn't sleep. And I was like, let me get on YouTube and find some games, whatever. Like, oh yeah, I remember this game. I remember catching the tail end of this one, whatever, you know, and it's when there's something worth writing, we will send it out in a newsletter. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, and it's usually really, we need uh, Dieter F. Uchtdorf to sponsor the newsletter because you know, it's every, every, the joke, right? It's like every talk he gives, it's like he, he can makes a comparison to aviation somehow. And that's really what it is. It's like, we get some random thing. And it's like, this happened. And I thought about this and it kind of relates to football this way. Like we don't, we're always trying to tie it back to that in that way. Maybe it's the Mormon in us. We can't avoid it. We're sorry. But it's, you know, when there's something worth writing, we'll write it. But it's seems that the vast majority of our consumption is in other places. So that's where we're putting the effort. And it is still a hobby. Yep. Like, like people got to remember that. Like, it's a hobby. We do it for fun. And it's we're, we're not rich by any stretch of the imagination as a result of this. I think we're still probably net negative. Yeah. So close. So it's thank you for if you have been here since the beginning since uh, like May seventeenth, twenty twenty, or whatever that was. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for continuing to support us. Thank you for sharing us, telling your friends, telling your family, and please continue to do so. And we're excited for the upcoming season. We're excited to be in the Big 12. And there's a lot. I mean, just it feels like it's a good time to just be excited about life, right? Yeah. It's like it's I, I feel like not only is this BYU joining the Big 12 and signing, it kind of feels like it can just be like the last whole three years in general of like since yeah. 
everything shut down in March of 2020. Like it feels like this is forget all that. Just turn the page and move on. Yep. I agree. Personally, athletically, maybe you need it spiritually, emotionally. I don't know. Talk to your, go talk to your therapist about BYU joining the big 12. It'll be good for you. Yeah. Completely agree.